We are reading from the scripture today with some trepidation. Irrespective of our own inclination, we are compelled to hear the expression of the Holy Spirit. I must hear what he has to say. So with his guidance in mind, we must also be acutely aware, maybe even sensitive to the fact that the Bible does not follow 21st century protocols. Are you still with me? There are stark images in the scriptures that are not always palatable to the American church. So, sometimes we'll read something in the Bible, people would say, well, I don't know if that should be read out loud. Of course, I suppose that most church-going folks are not bothered by what they hear and see on movies, songs, or television, so... <laughs> oh, oh, no. You just don't want certain things spoken in the church, but you don't mind if they're in your living room. Did I already get off to a bad start? Am I, am, is it? <laughs> but I, I, I will still try to be careful here. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. At that time, everyone say at that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel for the second time. Now this is a very interesting thing because don't get lost in that, in those, that verbiage. Who is being circumcised has never been circumcised. What he meant, what, what he meant was to, to revisit it. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. Here's why. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness. By the way, after they came out of Egypt... Now all the people that came out were circumcised. But all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, these were men 40 years or younger. By the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness to all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed. They died because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord swore unto their fathers, and he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey, and their children, whom he raised up in their stead. Them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way. 
And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole or healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. Amen. Now, while I preach, I'm going to work on a title. I'm not settled on one. I had half a dozen. So if you feel so led to shout out something and you think it's the good title, make sure it's of God. And all the people said, Amen. And I pray that the Lord would bless the hearer, add a blessing to his already anointed word and to the preacher today, that God would anoint all of us today. Amen. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. I thank you for standing. Forty years prior to Joshua, chapter 5, 40 years prior marked a distinct historical landmark in the history of Israel. They were set free from a 430-year tenure. Most of the years were imprisonment. The population had grown in number and By virtue of their numerical significance, it garnished the attention of a dubious king, Pharaoh. When Moses finally came to call, the people were in bondage. They had been living in a cycle of fear. I wish I had time to express the cyclical entrapment of fear. It may be the enemy's most deadliest device. Fear upon fear. The Antichrist will be ushered in with fear. Fear opens the door to spiritual bondage and many more things. Uh, the, The people cannot break free by themselves. They are bound They need both the voice of a leader and the authority of God. They have been stripped of so many conveniences. Their regular sacrificial offerings appear to be taken from them, at least in the form that they would most appreciate. The opportunities for worship at that juncture was limited at best. Self-governance and Spiritual counsel all laid bare. But they did hold on to many traditions. They were circumcised. They did remember the bones of Joseph. They held to the traditions of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when Moses finally led them out, they carried the wealth of Egypt on carts. Thus, the dry ground of the Red Sea was imperative. Forty years will pass, and all those who came out of Egypt would die 
in the wilderness, it appears that only those born in the wilderness would enter the promised land. And Joshua would lead them across the Jordan River on dry ground. It was a mirror miracle of the Red Sea. They walked through the Jordan on dry ground. But there was a difference in the crossing and had nothing to do with the body of water. Jordan was a sign for Joshua. Nobody was chasing them at Jordan. They are close to confronting the city of Jericho when the Lord gives pause to their plight in context. What I read to you, the Amorite kings and the Canaanite kings were already fearful before God's pause, before the Lord caused them to stop, after the Jordan and before Jericho. The kings of the land had no courage to fight these children of Israel, the people. Their hearts were already melted The scripture says that they had no spirit left in them, no will to fight. If you take out the will to fight, there is no fight. Some people have a will to fight, looking for a fight. You know who they are. The kings were tasting defeat before the meal was served. They knew the miracle of the Jordan River. And it's significant, and it was enough to dry up their own resolve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm getting there. Just give me a moment, please. Stay focused. Even though it appears that the enemy was already defeated, God was not willing to allow this younger generation of Hebrews to travel any further. Think of it. There was... Fear in the enemy's camp. Even in Jericho, Rahab gave the report to the two spies. I'll read it to you. She said, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us. And all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. We heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the kings of the Amorites on the other side, Sihon, Og, you destroyed them. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and the earth beneath. She gave that report. They already knew that they were in control. Jericho was bold and fortified. As they, as they all knew, but they were also afraid in that city. The miracle of the Jordan's dry crossing and the reaction of the enemy, however, did not keep the Lord from stopping their forward progress. He would not allow them to walk further. They came out of Egypt, by the way, but they were not ready to go into Canaan. Which tells me that you can come out, but that does not mean you're ready to go in. Getting out is the new birth experience, but coming in is holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. It's in your Bible. God has given them the victory, but victory was not enough. God provided a miracle, but the miracle was not enough. God put fear in the heart of the enemy, but the enemy's dispirited heart is not enough. 
There is something beyond the wonders that come from the hand of the omnipotent. He requires something of his people. And I have heard so many times that we should all just come to him as we are. This is true. We all can come to the Lord as we are. Everyone comes to God as they are. But if you're standing on holy ground, you do have to take off your shoes. (laughs) He's not going to leave you the way you came. The old nature has to die. The new creature has to emerge. And the miracles, though awesome in every respect, and our authority over principalities and powers, which are beyond comprehension, though all those things follow us and are afforded to us, still they will not bring you into the promise. Mm -hmm. Careful now. Because you're judging yourself saved. But you've got to do something beyond just get out. you got to prepare yourself to get in. Joshua had them all, all those wonderful things given to him, signs. But the most important thing was missing. And the Lord put up a roadblock. The Lord stopped his own people. No, you're not going any further. God demanded the covenant of the circumcision. Watch now. Many are going to boast of their victory. Many will tout how they came out on dry ground, wealth on wagons, the enemy disbanded. Many will boast or talk about how even the darkness is repelled before them. But those those elements never supersede the sacrifice, ladies and gentlemen, the covenant, the outward and inward mark of our identification. A good feeling while praying is his presence, but that does not replace baptism in the name of Jesus. An overwhelming moment of worship is necessary. We need those moments, but none of them replace a separated lifestyle. Oh my. We're going to get into some deep waters now. Don't think that salvation is promised for those who perform miracles. Religious people are going to stand before the Lord one day and say, but Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Let me read it to you. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied that name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. So do not think that because the Lord allowed a miracle to be wrought through your hand or you've seen it or experienced it, that that constitutes salvation. It does not. There will be people who stand before God and said, listen, I went to church all my life. I I, I prayed in your name. I prayed for people. I I saw miracles. And the Lord's going to say, hold on a second. You got out, but you never got in. They will have all the gifts, but they'll have no mark. They'll see wonders, but they'll have no covenant. They'll have authority through his name over devils, but no holiness. Oh my. And that alone is confusing to the Pentecostal mind. It baffles the religious aristocrats. But if you want to be saved, you had better pay attention to the book. 
Your salvation, ladies and gentlemen, is not a game. This is not secondary. It's not something that any one of, any one of us should take lightly or put on the back burner. You have to live a holy lifestyle. God is calling for a holy people today. A holy people. A holy generation. And be careful. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's not just this or that. It's this and that. So it's how you appear. And it's also about your attitude and your spirit. Oh my. So you can tell me how many devils you cast out. Listen, I'm rejoicing. Let's cast out all the devils that we can find. Tell me about the moment you saw a miracle, laid hands on someone, invoked the name and saw a healing. I am shouting with you. I'm shouting the praises of God with you. But do not think because you walk through on dry ground or that the enemy fears you or you have witnessed many wonderful works that God has pleased, is pleased with you and that you can get in. It still takes the mark of the covenant. And the separation of the children of Israel was the mark of the covenant of Abraham. That is what separated them from the rest of the world. The sacrifice, ladies and gentlemen, whatever it may be, is vital. It is paramount. If you consider holiness a sacrifice, then I say today, make the sacrifice. If you consider a separated lifestyle a sacrifice, then make the sacrifice. But don't miss heaven because you saw a miracle and you thought that was enough. Scholars have been talking about this for hundreds of years, about Joshua chapter 5. It's a long and storied commentary. Why would the parents that came out of Egypt hold to all of their personal convictions and traditions? Why would they continue to give offerings and conduct worship and sing and have ceremony only to keep circumcision from their children? Jewish scholars have been talking for centuries. It doesn't stand to reason. But an entire generation were not afforded the mark of the covenant by a generation that had it before them. Why? Maybe because they didn't see the significance of it. Or maybe they didn't want their children to go through the pain of it. Or maybe they thought it's old-fashioned, it's outdated, something less significant. No one can say for certain, but we know that the very men and women who were brought out of Egypt by the mighty hand of God, by those ten harrowing plagues wrought with calamity and wreckage, those very parents did not give to their children what was given to them. They kept them from the mark of the covenant. They withheld the only birthright that would ever matter. They denied them access to the holiness of God and severed their connection to Abraham's promise. Stay with me now. Canaan was not coming through the miracle. That's what people think up here. The promise was not attained by the virtue of God's power. Had it been so, the Lord would have not caused the pause. He would not have demanded that they sharpen their knives and commence the practice on fully grown men. Instead, he brought them out of Egypt, but their fathers did not demand the sacrifice and God would not let them enter a new place until they took on the requirement of his design. And I'm concerned that too many have diluted the message. It used to be that he's a holy God. Now he's a friendly God. It used to be that he is a righteous savior. Now he's a relational savior. Oh, 
I, I grew up on the edge of this thing when the saints told the preacher they were thankful to be saved. But more recently, the adults are saying, be thankful I'm here. A dumbed-down doctrine is going to fail you every time, and a lie will not get you into heaven. So I stand by, by the authority of the Holy Ghost and the oracle of God to say, God's calling you to be a holy people and a righteous people and a called-out generation. Something about the sacrifice, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot give up the sacrifice. In fact, when we, when we put on the sacrifice, whatever that is, it gives us something we cannot give ourselves. <laughs> I'll talk about it in a moment. God was not going to give them the promise without the covenant. There had to be that sacrifice. There will always be a sacrifice. But God has to offer for your life always comes through sacrifice. The covenant gets very little run in our modern pulpits. Because we have watered down the scripture. This is not just a worldly concept, but churches have taken the Bible and made it gender friendly. Churches have taken the scripture and erased portions of the scripture to make it palatable to them. They want a Bible that they agree with. But I submit to you today that we can ill afford to remove from this house and from our homes the necessity of this holy way. The covenant, the inward and outward mark, baptism in the name of Jesus, a life of separation, the distinction of twice born child of God, all that the Bible has to say, I'm preaching today, sacrifice, separation, and consecration. It's not the same as miracle signs and wonders. It's not as flashy as the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. It's not as kind in power as treading on all the forces of darkness. It's a life of holiness. Daily, the name, a set-apart life. Daily, the name, and a set-apart life. It's troubling to me to watch people who were born and raised in the Pentecostal church, the apostolic church, in fact, our apostolic church, that when they are offended or when they leave the church through some offense or an anger, the first thing they do is remove holiness from their life. Are you telling me you never believed it before? They compromise the name of Jesus through negotiation with those that they were once trying to convince. Verse 9 of that chapter really bothers the Christian community. He removed the reproach. The reproach was present even when the miracle of the Jordan was occurring. The approach was still there even when the kings and their armies were melting in fear. Do not mistake your God's provision with his approval for your lifestyle. He can be good to you, but it's not because you're living the right lifestyle. He's good to you because he's good. But, oh, I hope you can feel my heart today. I understand the value of, of where we're heading and where an individual is heading. It's not always where they're standing that matters to me. It's where we're heading. I've seen people live for the Lord for a long time and they know a lot about God. They made a lot of commitments. But you turned around. You're heading in the wrong direction. 
And I've seen someone who just started yesterday. They know very little, made very little commitments. But they're heading in the right direction. One is saved and the other is lost. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why would you deny your children what made you? Why are we giving our children something that our parents, why are we not giving our children something that our parents fought for? My father had no support. My paternal grandparents did not believe in God. They were atheists. They never encouraged him to go to church. They, they weren't supportive of him going to the Methodist church. And when he was a young man, as a, as a teenager, he was leading songs in the Methodist church. But they really didn't like him going to the Pentecostal church. His parents, his brother and his sister, not once in his entire ministry ever heard him preach a sermon. They never came to church for any reason. Not a Christmas program. Not a dinner. He had to fight for this. He had to dig it out by himself. And when he would go over to his mom and dad's house, he would have to love on them and communicate him, them while my grandmother was a chain smoker and my grandfather was a functioning alcoholic and not always functioning. I never saw my grandfather Harpo without a beer in his hand, ever. My father had to dig it out himself and make sacrifices. It alienated him from the rest of his family. Not only did they not understand what he was doing, they openly mocked him and said it's a waste. They even said to my parents, you are sheltering your children. They're not going to develop correctly. We probably didn't. That could have been true. Uh-huh. My maternal grandparents and all the Italians, the Castel Giovanni's, the Boon Giovanni's, the Farino's, the Campisi's, they lived in a little Italian area. Just all the, they, they were all there. All the neighborhood. Some of them spoke English. Some of them were bilingual. bilingual. When, when my grandparents found out that my mother was going to get married. And she told the rest of the family. They were all close. They did not want my mother or my grandmother to leave the Catholic church. And my mother, when she was finally going to get married. And she consented to marry my father. He wanted to marry her. But one day they were sitting in the back of this white way tabernacle Pentecostal church watching all the crazy Pentecostals and my mother got convicted and she turned to my dad and said, Bill, I'm not marrying you till you get the Holy Ghost. And my dad said, Rosalie, you don't even have the Holy Ghost. She never missed a mass in her entire life, ever. She never missed it. She was faithful. My grandmother got up at four o'clock every morning to pray the rosary. And when she was finally saved, she still got up to pray to the Lord. It wasn't the rosary. She just knew his name. And she knew that there was only one Savior, and his name was Jesus. He was more than Mary's child. (laughs) But when mom finally decided to get married in the Pentecostal church, none of her cousins would come or attend the wedding. She had no bridesmaids. It was the Pentecostal church and her cousins and her extended family said no. So the church girls, they were all 18, 19, 20 years old, all of her fringe. They said, Rosalie, I'll be a bridesmaid. I'll stand in for you. It was sacrifice to get here. Why would I withhold from my own children what my mother fought to give me? 
made me, I cannot keep from them. And you're going to wonder why your children don't know the Lord, why your children are not consecrated, why your kids are growing up. You won't know it right now, but you'll know it when they're 20 and 30 years old and you'll scratch your head and say, I don't know. I'll tell you why. Because you thought that power and experience and speaking in tongues was enough and having a good church, but you forgot about the covenant. They got out, but they never got in because you didn't impose it. I'm looking, at a, I'm looking at a powerful youth group. I'm looking at a youth group that loves this holy way. I'm looking at young men and young women that are keeping themselves into marriage. I'm looking at young men and young women all over this place. I'm going to tell you what we're going to have. We're going to have a church that keeps the covenant. We're going to keep the covenant. We're going to keep every part of it. We may be alienated, but we're going to keep every part of it. We're not a part of this world. No. I don't want to venture very far, but there's a, there's a reason why America is struggling right now. Because a lot of our leaders right now don't know what the cost of freedom is. It didn't cost them anything. Until this costs you something, you won't know the value of it. If it doesn't cost you anything, you have no interest, you have no vested interest. Sister Shock was teaching us the other day and she was talking about maybe I'll paraphrase acclimation. She was uh, uh, how you uh, acclimate to the to the church and how it's taken her a few years. They've been here multiple years. She was just reminiscing where she came from. She was born there. All of her parents and I mean, all of the parents' family, all of them are there. Our, our, as I left that meeting, I realized our churches were wide. We have width. We have a score of people that have been coming here for two, three, five years. We're, we don't have depth. We have width. It's wonderful to have width. Depth is another story. In fact, the, the first baby that I dedicated was Jaden. The, the first baby born in the church was Roman. We, we don't have the depth. Depth takes years. It's when dad comes to the church and mom and dad have a baby and baby goes to Sunday school and baby grows up and baby's in the youth group. Now he or she gets married, then they have a child. Now we have grandpa, we have dad, we have child. And then the child grows up and grandpa passes away and there's a new grandfather. And now you get down depth where people look around and say, well, my dad built that and, and my mom used to work in that place and, 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 and we prayed there and now there's depth. And I'm asking the Lord, what do we do? We, we don't have time. We, we may not another, have another 40 years left. We probably don't have 20 years left. And the Lord is speaking to me. He said, you, you're not going to replace the time, but if, you'll, but if you'll put on yourself sacrifice, the sacrifice will give you depth. Even if you don't have the time. Some of you have been serving the Lord longer than I've been alive. 
which is a short period of time. You've been loving God before I even could read the Bible. You've been serving God. So how do we get depth when we don't have time? We may not have time to have a third and fourth and a fifth generation New Life Fellowship member. I'll tell you how we do it. We go through the covenant and we put ourselves sacrifice and we implement sacrifice every day of our lives. Here's verse 9. Here's verse 9. The reproach was removed the day at Gilgal. Gilgal actually means, the literal interpretation is rolling. Rolling. or, Or we might say it in stride. God rolled away the reproach when they took on the circumcision. You see, we have no future when we have no Gilgal. There has to be a recommitment. And if you are new to new life, or if you're relatively new, and maybe some of this sounds a little foggy, then I'll just simplify it for you that are new or relatively new. Just commit. Commit. Be committed. Be committed. Find the door. Find the place. Say you're committed. Do not get up and say, well, I'm not sure. Get sure right now. Get sure. Wait a second. Nobody is a little bit pregnant. You either are or you are not. You are either in or you're not. You're either committed or you're not. So get, I got a little word for you. Get committed. Don't say I'm not. You say I'm committed. That's your first step. I'm committed. And I love what Brother Adrian said. I feel like it was the word for today. You may not understand everything, but it's okay. If you feel the spirit of the Lord, that's the indication that the Lord's in this house. And all you got to do is get committed. You say this. You say it. I'm here. I'm staying. I'm not moving. I'm committed. I don't want to oversimplify this thing, but I want to say this. Start with faithfulness to the church. Say it. I'm not staying home. I'm going to plant myself in this place. I'm going to praise and I'm going to worship. And it doesn't matter what happened in my week. I'm going to praise and I'm going to worship. My praise is not contingent upon what's happening in my body or in my life or the chaos surrounding me. My worship is not contingent upon how good I think things are going. It's because he's good and this is what I am. This is what I do. I'm talking to you now because revelation, revelation of God often happens as the, as you are progressing and in the process. I want to know everything right now. Well, okay, I do too, but we don't know. In fact, a lot of things we're never going to know. In fact, Paul said, right now you're looking through a glass darkly. Right now you're going to have a lot of questions. You just put it out of your mind because one day you're going to see him face to face. And the questions that we're asking today won't even be a question when we get there. Oh, man. I want depth. We, 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 we've had just two founding members and both of them have passed away. Mary Fell was a 103 years old, working on 104. And she thought this was so important that she kept saying to her daughters, I was baptized when I was 15 or 14. And it's been a long time ago. Now listen, that is a long time. Do the math, somebody. 103 minus 15. Calculate, carry 
divide by pi. And she said to him, I got to get rebaptized. I've got to get baptized again because I don't remember. I, got, I, got, I can't miss heaven. I can't miss heaven. I said, well, no. they called me over. I said, it's okay. No, I, I, I can't put my, here's what her words. I can't put my feet up there on that, on that golden road until I'm baptized right now. Am I saying the truth? And she said, I've got to get baptized. And we were thinking about it. Maybe we could baptize her in her, in her, in her, in her bathtub there. But it wasn't really, it wasn't really deep enough. And, and that pink bathtub, it wasn't really deep enough. She said, I got to go all the way under the water. So we, we could have put it off. And finally, we couldn't put it off any longer. And on one day, I said, okay, put her in the car. And we brought Mary Fell up here, 103 plus years old, and saying, listen, I think this is so important. I'm not willing to go in one more day. And I, I, I put up, I didn't know what to do. And, and a couple people just happened to show up that day. And she had her, she had her, 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 her garments on, and, and she was ready for baptism. And we got her here, and I didn't know what to do. I, I Usually, I stand outside. I don't, I don't want to get in the water. I, I want to... I'm baptized. You get wet. I try not to, but I put on a baptismal robe and all of a sudden Charles Harris shows up. He, he shows up at weird times. He just shows up. There he is. He got him a baptismal. Are you, we both got baptismal robes on. He had the idea. He said, let me put her on my lap. He, he crawled up the stairs with Mary fell on his lap. I got in the baptismal and one by one, just little one step at a time until we got that 103 year old woman who loves the covenant and loves his Lord and wants to be saved back down in the water and we baptized her in Jesus name because she's not going to miss it. And I'm missing today, Brother Heiss. And I'm missing today. The people that have sacrificed. And I'm missing today, Barbara Fell, who loved me. And I'm asking the Lord, well, how can we have death, Lord, if we don't have time? And the Lord's speaking to my spirit, and he's telling me to tell everyone, we all have to make sacrifices. Now, it's time for us to make a sacrifice. So first to everyone, that's where our depth is. And this house is going to stand as strong as the measure of your resolve. Because your sacrifice and my sacrifice are going to give us roots and depth and stability. I'm going to help you with this. Are you ready? I'm helping you with this now. It begins with denying yourself. Deny the things that you want to say. Deny yourself the disposition that you think you have a right to exhibit. Deny yourself the things you want. Deny even things you feel are acceptable. But it might, might be a stumbling block for someone else. You're not living like an island or to yourself. It's not about you. It's about everybody else. This is a me generation. And I'm not just talking about teenagers and 20-year-olds. It's, the whole generation is a me generation. It moves you from denying self to giving something you cannot get back. Sacrifice is giving something that you cannot budget for. What I'm preaching about is far beyond money. 
If you just get hung up on money, you're not here in the spirit. But since we're on money for a moment, let me just tell you, tithing is reasonable. If you think that 10% is a sacrifice, it's time for you to go back to the Bible. Tithing is required. That's only reasonable. So of course it's difficult to get the self-denial thing intact in, in if you think that what, that what is required is a loss. You've got to give up what you cannot get back. Surrender your image. Hear me, everyone. You've got to surrender your image. That's hard for the selfie generation. You cannot blend in with the world and still be considered a Christian. Light hath no fellowship with darkness. Why are you doing things that your parents fought to be free from? You put on yourself. We're getting weighed down with the culture, but we cannot forget about the covenant. Why did Joshua circumcise all those young men? Why were they not circumcised as babies as the eight-day-old custom was in their, in their tradition? I'll tell you why. Because their fathers did not think it was relevant. Because even Moses wasn't completely convinced at first that it was needful for the next generation. Because they saw the wilderness and the heat and the trouble and the current conflicts. And perhaps they thought that there were more important things than circumcision. We need water, Moses. What difference if our sons are circumcised if we have no water? These are the same foolish things that people are saying today. And I'm preaching to people who were born in this way right now. You are denying yourself and you're denying your children the very things that your parents fought for. You think that a good study habits and spiritual experiences and being an upstanding person is more important than being separated from the world. I'm going to tell you, don't put it in that context going to take work. I'm going to tell you what all these precious people have done here today. They're standing here as a foundation for our church, loving God and serving God. And many of them gave up things just so they can be in this place. They gave up locations. They gave up history because they needed to find a place that still believed in the covenant and the apostolic doctrine and holiness. They still wanted to go to a place where there was, there was Holy Ghost outpourings in the name of Jesus and baptism. It's going to take work and there will be ridicule. There will be sacrifice for us to keep the faith. But if we lose what we've been given, there'll be no difference between us and the world. I want to see miracles. There will be signs and wonders. I'm ready for the crossing of impassable waters on dry ground. But none is greater than the covenant. And when a church prioritizes spiritual endeavors over holiness, decay is sure to come. Are you with me here? Do you understand what I'm preaching here? I'm not rejoicing because my kids don't drink alcohol. I'm not proud of them because they've kept themselves from marriage. Tammy and I do not give them a pat on the back back because they're, they're not liars or cheaters. I don't go to my sons and say, so proud of you, you're not smoking marijuana. What? I don't thank them for not living worldly. That's required, man. What? You got to raise the bar a little bit. I'm so glad that many of our young people are given admissions. Our young people are raising the bar through their very astute leadership. Spiritual leaders in this house, they're raising the bar. Many of them are giving monthly to missionaries. Some of them are giving 
over $100 to a missionary that they do not know. The, the National Youth Department has a program called Move the Mission. It used to be called, for all of us old-timers, it used to be called Sheaves for Christ. But the little kids, they, did, they didn't know what a sheave was. Some of them thought it was cheese. <laughs> cheese for Christ. They didn't catch it. Sheaves. Sheave. <laughs> Just talk. So they changed it and called it Move the Mission. So we don't have to talk about, you know, Swiss, Colby, Jack Cheddar. We don't have to talk about that. So there's a program. And if you raise, raise $1,000, they, 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 you're a real McCoy. You become a real McCoy. So it's just a program and there's a bunch of benefits. And, uh, and, 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 and the youth, our youth leaders are talking about this and they're talking about given to missions and, and making sacrifices and the burden came on them and I think there's somewhere between there's somewhere around 15 am I right about 15 of our young people that, are, that have raised a thousand dollars or maybe some of them are almost right there at a thousand dollars they didn't really know they committed they didn't know but but They did extra things to raise the funds and they didn't even really know how to do it. But Brother Coffey, he, he had some extra corn. He brought barrels and barrels of corn. I don't know where you're at, Brother Coffey, because you're not sitting in the place you normally are. I, Brother Coffey brought corn and they were, they were selling corn. And, and some of them raised four or $500 selling Brother Coffey's corn. And, and they said, well, we're going to make a sacrifice. And so they did this. And some of them gave from, from their jobs. And they gave, we, we, we got a missionary service coming up. I wonder how many adults would, would raise their funds to give to the missionary. What we'll say is, oh, that's good for them. That's good for them. Well, what about us? What about all of us? What about your sacrifice? Now, now tell me that you got a full-time job. Tell me that you're tired. Tell me that you have things going on and you struggle to get to Wednesday night Bible study. Tell me that. I want to know about your time and about your money and about what you think is a priority. Did you just think in your brain, maybe we should find us another church? Did you just think that? This guy, is, he's radical. I mean, he wants us to give our money. He wants, to show, wants us to show up. He wants us to live separate from the world. He wants to stick out like a sore thumb. He wants us to be Christians every day. You mean on Monday? You mean, you mean, you mean hey, wait a second. Some of you have put on the apparel on the outside, but you got a rotten spirit inside. You don't really want me to preach the word, but I got to preach the word today because I don't answer to you. I answer to God. And if you don't have the right spirit, I don't care what you put on the outside. It's never going to cover up your rotten attitude. And this is what Jesus, uh, here's what Jesus said. He said, by this shall all men know that you belong to me. If you have loved one, two, that's a verb. That's an action, one to another. And the Bible says, love doesn't speak hateful. Love is not boastful. So you don't have love. You don't belong to him if your words and your spirit doesn't amplify that. I'm almost through. I know you're ready for me to be there. I'm thankful for what Tammy and I have been given. We've been given a wonderful thing. 
I was with my father and my mother this past week just for a day. Mom was talking about a program that we had. Brother Huttiger, you were the principal of the school. And we had booklets. They were called Life Packs. She was reminding me about the Life Pack on fasting. And um, I was going through that book and I was convicted. And I said, I'm going to fast seven days. And I told everybody at the table and dad said, well, why don't we all fast seven days? I don't think Dana did that. She she didn't do it. I was very young. I dreamed our favorite restaurant was, at the time, it was Red Lobster. I dreamed of Red Lobster every night. Every night, Red Lobster. I was so hungry for Red Lobster every day, seven days in a row. Just go on a fast. You will dream about asparagus. Just go on a fast. You won't, you won't watch another sitcom again. You'll be watching the Food Network. In fact, if I call the fast right now, some of you would order more pizza for tonight just to prepare for Monday. And I'm thankful that my parents sacrificed. Thankful for that. I cannot withhold from them what happened to my parents. But the only way for them to accept what my parents had was for me to accept it from myself. And that's why things happen when, when our children are become grown because mothers and fathers don't want to put limits on themselves. And they're hoping that the church would cover the deficits of the home. It never works that way. So what you do in your home becomes who you are. So even the words that you say while you're walking through your home or the frustrations that you have, when you speak them out, they become seeds that are planted in the minds and the ears of everyone around you, regardless of how old they are. So if you walk around your home complaining and sharing your grievances, and then you put on the happy face, you might be able to do that, but your kids will not do that. But if in your home, you realize that there will be offenses and issues, but in your home, you are speaking the wonderful things of God, and you're positive, and you're loving God, and you say good things, then you set an atmosphere. I feel like I should say this again. It bears repeating. Don't ever ask or wonder what happened to your children and tell me that you don't know why because you raised them in the church. No, you didn't. You didn't raise your kids in the church. There are no beds, no cots, no dressers here. There are no bedrooms here. You raised them in your home. You just brought them to Pastor Andrew and said, make them spiritual. And they cannot combat with a one-hour youth service what you allow seven days a week, 24 hours a day in your home. No. I got a, I got a thought for you. 
I got thought for. You want this to be a spiritual church? Men, you want this to be a spiritual church? You get down on this altar and you worship God. You praise God. You make an open display of your worship and your praise to God. Open display. I'll, t- I'll tell you how to keep your family. You sign up for prayer even when there's no prayer called. You get in that prayer room and you pray once a week. You want to have a spiritual, you want to have a spiritual church? You get rid of carnal things on Tuesday and on Wednesday. Stop making allowances for yourself. Stop saying this won't send me to hell. You say, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to be an apostolic on Monday. I'm going to be the same person worshiping on Friday as I am on Sunday. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to keep the covenant. I've got so much more, but I think we ought to just stand and receive the word of the Lord and just lift up our hands and say, right now, Lord, I believe this Lord right now. Ah. Listen, I'm preaching this while I can. I'm preaching while I can. You ought to receive it while I can. Because the next step against, against this house is going to be language laws. I believe that all sinners can be saved. The adulterer, the effeminate, the homosexual, they all can be saved. They all need to be saved. Because they're all lost. (laughs) And that statement right there is going to one day put me in jail. Or we're going to be stripped of our 501c3. Or they're going to say, you can do this, but but you're not going to get any tax benefits. That's right. Or they're going to call it hate speech. It's already, it's already happening around the world. It's, it's coming right here. It's going to come right here to every little city. And you think you're cocooned. And you think none of this stuff is going to happen. It's all happening right before our eyes. And what we're doing is we're arguing about things that were given to us. Those are the very things that are keeping us. Stop arguing about that. You get, you get knee deep in the house and say, no, no. I am not giving up all the things that have been given to me. And if your children and your grown children have struggled, then praise God. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. We're going to love God. We're going to keep the covenant. We're not going to give up the covenant. And we're not going to water down the scripture. And I just want to say this one more time. Please don't get enamored with miracles and signs. The Bible says that the devil will come as an angel of light. And that false prophets will have signs. False prophets and false teachers will perform miracles. They may be trickery. They may be forces of darkness. Don't get enamored with that. Don't be, don't be running around and finding somebody that you think is excellent. Hold on a second. You go after the doctrine in the scripture. It may not be flashy, but it is the covenant. It will keep you and it will bring you in. I'm not just brought out. I'm brought in. And 
I say today to all of our elders here that loved this apostolic faith, I may not do everything right, and I'm sure I don't, but I want to tell you something. I'm not giving up what you gave me. I'm not going to forfeit what you fought for. And I honor you today with the word and with a dedication to stay true to this faith. Amen. Amen. I give you praise today, Lord, in your house. We lift your name up. All glory, honor, and praise goes to you. You are a holy and a righteous God. And we are filled with flaws. And we are inept in so many ways. But Father, you are a great God. Our hope is in you. Our help is in you. We want to follow you, Lord, today. We want to follow the path that they called the way. I pray today for every person that hears this word. Let them turn from the elements that pull them into unholy living. Let there be evidence in our life, in everything that we do, the inward and outward, I pray, let it be known that we belong to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And let this church keep the covenant. Let this church keep the covenant. Let us all become keepers of the covenant. Come on, help me pray that. I'm a keeper of the covenant. And you can even say, Lord, I don't understand everything about it, Lord. That's okay. We've heard the word. It's in the scripture. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to follow the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I don't know how you'd like to respond today, but if you want to come out of your seats and come to this altar, you can. But whatever you're doing, you're just making a commitment to God right here right here in this house and you're just saying I'm committing my life to you thank you that's beautiful thank you yes thank you thank you that's wonderful thank you thank you thank you thank you beautiful yes yes